0: Amen. All right. Well, listen now. Have you ever had somebody say to you, I need you to do something for me, and you're not really sure whether it's the right thing to do? Has that ever happened? I shared with you a couple of weeks ago an example that happened to me many, many years ago. I mean, have you ever had a boss that maybe has come to you and said, hey, it's like Tuesday afternoon, they say, hey, tomorrow morning, Wednesday, I need this on my desk at 730 in the morning, and it's already like six o'clock at night, you're extended, the kids need to be picked up, whatever the case may be, and you're looking at your boss going like, there is no way in beans that I'm going to be able to do this thing for you. Have you ever, anybody ever had an impossible situation happen in their life? Yeah, a couple of us in the room probably have. Well, it's, it's one of those things that we have to remember that, that um, impossible things are going to happen to us, uh, and they're going to come in all kinds of ways, whether it's through employment, relationally, um, health, whatever the case may be, we're going to be confronted with something that we might feel at some point in time is impossible, um, we're talking about the life of Daniel. Daniel is a, a, a great prophet in the Old Testament. I've been encouraging you the last couple of weeks in this series to open up your Bibles in the Old Testament. Go to Daniel. Read the book of Daniel. It's a powerful, powerful book. We're uh, kind of easing through a couple of chapters a week as we're looking at his life. And, and Daniel is teaching us some significant messages. And that message is, is how we can be unshakable How we can uh, lean into a strong foundation when things seem to be not right in life. And last week, uh, we we talked about another one. Today, we're talking about dealing with those impossible things. Well, the story of Daniel is kind of intertwined with his relationship and his interaction with King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is the Babylonian king. And we've been learning about some of the plights that Daniel's had with him. So let's pick up in chapter 2 and read what's going on next in the life here of Daniel. In the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, uh, let's stop here for a second. So, so he's been king in, in, in two years. So Daniel was actually 15 when he was taken out into um, uh, captivity back to Babylon. So now he's 17. Uh, Daniel had, or Nebuchadnezzar had a recurring dream that frightened him so badly that he couldn't sleep. So he called in all of his magicians, psychics, fortune tellers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. So he's had this dream, it's like a horrible nightmare, and he's wanting to know what this means, but more importantly, he's double checking to see if they know what his dream was. So the king said, I've been having this dream that troubles me, tell me what I dream, and tell me what it means. And the astrologers answered, okay, tell us your dream, and we'll tell you what it means. You ever had that kind of person in your life? well, tell me what you were thinking and then I'll tell you what I thought. Or, or you wanna to go to dinner, where do you wanna go? I don't know, where do you wanna go? Well, just tell me where you wanna go and that's where we'll go. Okay, that's kind of a glimpse into our life. So anyway, um, so the king said, I, I've been having this dream that troubles me. Uh, tell me what I dream, tell me, tell me what it means. And so they ask all these questions. No way, the king says, if you can't tell me what I dream, why should I trust your interpretation? And if you can't tell me what I dreamed, you're just a bunch of fakes with no real power or wisdom. Then all the king's fortune tellers said, nobody anywhere can do what you ask. So this is the impossible task that's before them. And no king in history has ever dreamed anything like this from any magician, medium, or astrologer. What you're asking us to do is completely impossible. And that made the king, or made Nebuchadnezzar furious. And he said, I'm dead serious. If you can't tell me what my dream was, I'm gonna have you so-called wise men tortured and executed, and then I'll have your houses demolished into rubble. So it's not like, you know, killing them is not bad enough, Now I'm going to like, you know, go destroy your houses too, like that's going to matter after they're dead, right? So the advisors begged, just tell us your dream, and then we'll interpret it. But the king said, nope, you all are condemned as worthless, and he issued a decree to execute all of his royal advisors, including Daniel and his friends. Why? Why Daniel and his friends? Remember? They're part of the king's court now, and, and he's a part of this crowd, so now they've been included in that. So Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. It's a dream that's telling him about some futuristic event. Anybody ever have a dream that scares you to death? Yeah, anybody had those? Um, have you ever tried to have your dreams interpreted? You know, maybe you like Google, what does it mean when I dreamed all my teeth fall out? I mean, there's a reason for that. Go, go Google it, you'll find out. But, but so we're looking at this, and, and um, so what we find out is a lot of us, though, if we could tell the future, if we could predict the future, if we knew what the future would say, if we knew what every event would bring us, we think we'd just be dandy, right? Think about it. If you could think before a major IPO came out and you knew that that was going to take off and you could buy it at a certain level, wouldn't you want to know that? If you just knew you could predict what the lotto numbers would be. Maybe that's something you'd want to do. Or if you could just predict that uh, husbands, that, that, that you knew what gift your wife always wanted, but you never seemed to be able to find it for her. If you could just know what it was, man, you'd be like great in that, in that capacity, right? So, so we all want to know the future. We want to think about those things. But what we realize is we're never going to know the future. Let, let me give you a truth here. No one knows the future except God. Do you believe that? I mean, think about it. Nobody knows the future except God. Listen to what Ecclesiastes says. Ecclesiastes say that uh, fools claim to know the future, and they love to tell anybody who listens, but no one knows what's gonna happen. Didn't Jesus say when they were trying to figure out, you know, Lord, when, when's all this gonna come to end? When's the world gonna end? What, when, what's the end times? Didn't he say nobody knows when that's gonna be? Not even me, not, not the angels in heaven. Only the Father knows. Didn't he say that? So so we know that that Jesus, or that God, is aware of the future. Let me tell you, if someone comes to you and says, I can predict the future, I can tell you that it's gonna do this, or that if you do this, that I tell you it's gonna do that. Let me tell you what, if somebody comes to you and tells you that they can predict the future, I want you to look at them and I want you to say to them, this is amazing, I've never seen somebody who is three fries short of a Happy Meal before. It's you, okay? So, so prediction, so King Nebuchadnezzar, he's having this disturbing dream. He's calling the people in, he's demanding that they know it and they're really struggling because they want him to tell them what the dream is, but he won't do that. But how did Daniel do it? I mean, we're gonna find out, Daniel actually knows what the dream is because something happens and Daniel knows the interpretation of the dream. And it's because of that that Daniel can be unshakable in the midst of something that is outrageous. Here's a couple of things we wanna learn about Daniel today. In this situation, in fear of death, Daniel didn't panic. He wasn't afraid. He didn't panic, he wasn't afraid. In Daniel's case, he, he had a legitimate reason to be worried. Why? Because the king said, I'm gonna kill you. Isn't that reason to be worried? I mean, it'd be like um, the king is sending his, his elite guard to Daniel's house and to all these people's houses to kill them. It'd be like today, like an executive order being signed to send SEAL Team 6 to your house. Now, after you change your clothes, after they arrived, right? Okay. Uh, so anyway, so, so they're after you and, and, it's, it's out, and nobody wants to deal with that. So, so this is really important. The scripture says Daniel wasn't afraid, he didn't panic, and he handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Wisdom and discretion. Wisdom, we're gonna find out, he's, he's tied into God. Discretion, that he listens to God. He's, he's not panicked. So, but, but you know, listen, let's, let's get real for a second. A lot of us in the room, we, we, we don't approach Uh, life events that way, do we? We don't approach life's events and say, okay, I'm not going to be panicked. I'm not going to be afraid. As much as we hope to do that, we rarely can do that because life just throws some stuff at us. Life throws those impossible things and we're just not sure what to do. But what do you do when you're panicked? What do you do when life throws you the curveball? You know, think about it. What is it that you're struggling with right now? What is it that, that, that you're looking at this thing or this event in your life at this very moment and you're saying that this is so big, this is so troubling, this is so anxiously uh, penetrating everything that there is about me. What is that that's stealing your joy? God has something to say about that. God, God wants to deal with that. I mean, are you in debt and that's got you worried? Are you, are you like you know, losing all your friends for whatever reason? Are you, are you not in a good uh, relationship? Maybe you're having a, a marital challenge, maybe, maybe a work challenge, the obstacles are there. So Daniel, Daniel kept his cool. Daniel then asked the question, why? And this is really important. Remember I told you not, that we're not supposed to ask, you know, like, um, you know, be, be avoidance of things that happen to us because when God takes us through some troubled times, it makes us stronger. So Daniel asked why, let me encourage you to ask why. If you're being asked to do something that's impossible, asked the question why, understand what it is. Daniel needed to understand what was it that had King Nebuchadnezzar so angry, so mad, so upset? What had him so volatile that he would issue a decree to have people killed in that? So Daniel asked the, the chief guard, Arioch. He said, he said, what is this? Why, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? And so Arioch told him everything that happened. And he said, Daniel, here, here's the story, here's what it is. Here's what I love about this, is that Daniel uh, created a solution. He created a solution. Have you ever had a problem and you kind of dwelled on it? You ever had something that, that maybe there's something about you know, your church or there's something about your family or there's something about a friend or your employer that you just don't like and boy, you want everybody to know what you don't like. Is that anybody in the room? Okay, there's a couple people. Thank you for being honest today. No, seriously, thank you for being honest. And sometimes we get to that point. But what if in addition to you know, having a challenge with something, what if you brought a solution to the table? What if just said, instead of saying, I don't like that, or I don't like it when, what if you said, here's something to consider. Here, this is what Daniel did. Daniel brought some solutions to the table. And Daniel said, let's talk about this, King. Let's, let's, let's do about some, some solutions here. Let's figure this out. What I love about what Daniel did was, Daniel didn't waste any time One of the words of the English language that just really, really, really just, I don't like, is procrastination. Say that word, procrastination. Now say it like you're kinda irritated. Procrastination, okay? That's that's not a good word, and and let me tell you why. Had Daniel waited and and not dealt with this, it would have never been dealt with. See, procrastination never does anything positive for us. You know, we're kind of wired that, that we want to be liked by people. We're kind of wired that we want to be in good, harmonious relationships. And we kind of have, have begun to believe that, that conflict isn't something that's good. Folks, conflict is okay. We, we have conflict all the time in our relationships. Great relationships are great because they have conflict, and they work through that. But when we procrastinate, we put things off. It's kind of like, you know, um, if you're you're having a challenge in a relationship and you're just saying, well, if I bring that up, it's just going to like stir the hornet's nest. And it's like you lift up the rug and you sweep it under. And if you take every problem that you have in those relationships and you just lift up the rug and you sweep all that underneath, what happens is your rug then has a pile or a hill underneath it. And what happens when you have a hill underneath your rug? You trip on it. It's going to come around. It's going to get you. So Daniel, we learn from his life, he confronts it. He says, no, no. He says, he he goes at once to the king and he requests more time. And he says, king, just give me some more time. I think I can find a way to deal with the problem that you have. And this is what we're trying to look at. Daniel enlisted prayer support from his friends. He enlisted prayer support from his friends. And this is really important. Too often, we wanna do life alone. We think that if, if someone else knows uh, the rough edges about us, if someone else is aware of our faults, if someone else knows that we're not perfect, that, that we just don't want the world to know that. So we choose to do life alone. Many of us get up every day and we just go and grind it out because, hey, if I can do it and I have the skill to do it, I'm just going to do it. I don't need anybody else's help. And, and you just kind of do life that way. That's called isolationism. God didn't create us to be isolationists. God created community. And if you read every story in the Bible from the very beginning Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation, you'll find out that God created us to be in covenantal community with one another. And that's so important. So what we see by this is, is, is Daniel enlisted prayer support from his friends. So Daniel now hears that there's this problem that the king's angry. So what does he do? He quickly runs home and he solicits Some help. It says here, Daniel goes home and he asks his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or their uh, Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, He tells them what had happened and then he said, he says, let's pray that God who rules from heaven will be merciful and explain this mystery so so that we and the other advisors aren't put to death. Prayer partners, who are yours? All right, I'm meddling now. Who are your prayer partners? Who do you pray with? Who do you call upon to pray for you? Are you vulnerable enough with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to say, hey, I know you're a prayer. I need you to pray for me over this and be able to be transparent. These are the words of, that we use today and transparent to that person. But who are the persons that you could call at to in the morning? Who are the persons when, when life just comes and bumps you in the wrong way, who can you call at 3 a.m. and say, I really need you? If you were to leave church today and get out on the road and you're driving and someone slams into your car and kills someone in your car or someone else gets killed, who are you going to call to say, I'm going through this tragedy, I need some help? This is why it's so important. Since I've been your lead pastor, I've, I've really pressed that we get into small groups, that we become a culture as a church of small groups. What's a small group? 10 to 12 persons who will covenant together to weekly meet, to pray together, to love one another, to to listen, to study scripture, to uh, have fellowship, to honor all of those things. And in those relationships becomes the trust. And this is the relationship that Daniel had with his three friends. And let me just say that, that um, if you're not in a small group here at St. At, um, at Paul, let me encourage you to take that step. All you gotta do is send Bobby Van Dyne an email. There's his information on, on the screen. Bobby is our point person for small group ministry. You can head out these doors into the Connection Center, say, hey, I'd like to be a part of a small group. We can get you connected, but we need to be a part of small groups so that we can love and help one another. Daniel also prayed expecting that God... Uh, would do something supernatural. So when you pray, are you praying, God, just, just let it work out my way? Lord, give me, give me, give me. I want it, I want it, I want it. Please, please, please let it work out this way. Oh, I, just, I could just taste it, Lord, just happen. Is that how you pray? Or maybe there's some truth to the words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So prayer, prayer is really important. But Daniel was expecting that God would answer. You know, there are times as a pastor that I've prayed through some very critical times through the lives of the churches that I've pastored. And I'm not saying that that only the churches I've pastored have challenges, that's not the case at all. You read, you know, you know people in other churches, all churches are challenged, right? It's Just the seasons of life that we're in. But I know that there are times as a pastor, like when the church didn't have the funding it needed to fulfill the mission and purpose and the vision that God called us to do. And we knew no matter what in our human strength that we could do everything in our own human strength, but we still couldn't get there. It required God. And I remember on so many occasions those kinds of prayers. God, we know you'll intervene because what we're doing brings you glory. This is the kind of stuff that Daniel was praying about. He was up all night, the scripture tells us, praying that God would move into that. So through his prayers, God also showed Daniel how to save others. So when you're praying, it's not that God is gonna make God's self visible to you to allow you to see something, but God is going to have you be a person to save others. Now, when God answered Daniel's prayer, we know that what God said was, Daniel, I love you and I love your three friends. I love you because you're, you're God-fearing Jews and you're, you're, you're after my heart, so to speak. But Daniel, let me tell you, I love King Nebuchadnezzar. I know he's a pagan. I know that he doesn't know me. I I love his people. I love the Babylonians. I know they worship false gods, but, but Daniel, I love them. This is God speaking. And Daniel, I know that every person who curses me, I want to reconcile the world to be a part so that I can be a part of their lives again. See, God uses us. God used Daniel. God uses us to make a difference, to lead other people to Christ. Daniel replied, No wise man or or psychic or fortune teller or astrologer can explain the mystery of your dream. He's before the king now. And remember the king says, tell me my dream and all his advisors are saying, no, no, you tell us what it was and we'll interpret. Daniel now is before the king saying, listen, no normal person could do this, but there is a God in heaven, he said, who reveals mysteries and he's chosen to show you what will happen in the future. And now God has revealed this mystery to me. Me, Daniel, talking to you, the king, not because I'm smarter than anyone else, but for your benefit, great king, that you, O king, may understand it. So what is this bizarre dream that Nebuchadnezzar had? It was an image. And the image was rather bizarre. It was an image, it was kind of an image of a person but, but also, it was a person that was colored with various colors of, of um, precious metals, but there was also this uh, rock, and part of the dream that Daniel discovers that God reveals to him is this rock is broken from this large mountain and this rock is moving its way to this image of this man who is multiple colors the man has a head that's made of gold and 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 he has a a upper body that's made of silver and then he has a body that's made of bronze and then and then he has legs and thighs of iron and then his feet his feet are made of clay and, and so Nebuchadnezzar's like, what does all this mean? And Daniel says, but is this what you saw? And he's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is exactly my dream. You're for real. And Daniel says, great king, this is what the Lord God wants you to know. He said, the Babylonian empire is the head. It's the precious metal. It's the gold. That's your kingdom. But there's a kingdom that's coming after you and that's the Persian empire. Now silver is not as valuable as gold, so they're not gonna be as, as strong an empire as you, but they're gonna succeed the Babylonian empire. And then all of a sudden, the Greek Empire is gonna come in, and they're gonna uh, succeed after the Persian empire. And Alexander the Great is gonna come in, he's gonna conquer all these lands, but it's still not gonna be very strong. But then, but then there's the iron. The most powerful kingdom is gonna come on earth. And that's the Roman Empire, he says. And the Roman Empire is going to rule for generations. But Daniel says, But King, remember, the feet of the image of the vision that you saw are made of clay. And that big rock that was coming after that man that you saw, it's coming and it's going to hit that man made of precious metals. And those feet of clay are just going to crack. And that rock is going to pulverize all of those, all of those precious metals into thousands if not millions of pieces. And Daniel says, king, this is really important and this is what God really needs me to convey to you today because this is something you have to know. He said that rock that destroys all of that, that's God's kingdom. Nothing can overpower it. Nothing can ever defeat it. Nothing can win its battles over it. For God's kingdom is the kingdom that will reign over all things and God The real God wants you, king, to know this. And listen to what happens in this exchange. Then King Nebuchadnezzar bowed to the ground before Daniel. So Daniel now has interpreted this vision after he's conveyed it. And and he worships him. So he hasn't got it right yet. He's worshiping Daniel, and that's not what it's supposed to be. But it's happening. And he commands his people to offer sacrifices and to burn sweet incense before him. And the king said to Daniel, truly your God is the God of gods, which means that that he's the God above all other gods. He says, Daniel, yours is the God of gods, the Lord over kings. And he says, your God is Lord over me and I'm a powerful king. And he is a revealer of mysteries because it's obvious because no one could tell me what my dream was, let alone interpret it. For you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts, and he made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon. Daniel fulfills God's mission. Daniel, through the steps that he took, knows and interprets the dream. He deals with the impossible thing before him. Let me ask you again, what, what is the impossible thing that's before you today? What's the, what's the one thing that has you panicked right now? Are you panicked about your health? Are you panicked about a, a recent death in your family? Are, are you panicked about your job? Are you panicked about your marriage? Maybe you're struggling because you're so far in debt, you just don't see a way out of it. Some of you, and I've prayed with some of you, some of you have been praying for healing in your family. Some of you have been praying that God would deliver you a child. You're panicked. You're facing overwhelming odds. And you're wondering how and why. Have you asked God for help? Have you turned to the Lord God of all? Have you gotten on your knees and prayed? Have you invited others to pray with you? To anoint you with oil? To lay their hands on you and to pray? Daniel didn't do this on his own first. He did it because he called upon the power of God. And I want you to do that today. I want every one of us to call upon the power of God at this very moment to lead us through the troubled times that we see. Because no matter how hard we try to avoid them, they will always come. But God will see you.